it's beautiful. I mean, it's just absolutely gorgeous. When I found out really what it cost him to to put the thing together, I was I was blown away. I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, man, this thing is over a million dollars. How do I avoid doing a cheap flip? How do I how do I know when I'm walking through a house that's been done properly or may have they may have cut corners in for you? You are now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Well, good Friday morning and welcome back to the Real Estate Heavyweights podcast. I am Ashton Hines and I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Tavis Westbrook. What's going on, Tavis? Good morning, man. I'm good. It's uh, it's a wonderful day today. Yes. It's raining a ton outside and uh, evidently that has had an impact on my computer system. And so I'm I'm <laughs> running an audible today. I don't have all my fancy camera to make me look ten years younger and way less tired. So, and it's uh, it's brought out all the mosquitoes. I got a text first thing this morning from one of my tenants over in Richardson that she might have to write a negative comment that the mosquitoes have been vicious. What and... are you doing? Just you got to figure out <laughs> mosquitoes. You can't. She can't be dealing with mosquitoes. What kind of slumlord are you? They've been in hibernation. All summer long with it being as hot as it is, you know, with no rain. And then all of a sudden now it's like cooler temperatures. We're here at the, you know, middle of October with cooler weather and, and rain coming. And now all the mosquitoes have decided to come out. So, um, well, hopefully she holds off on the negative comment. <laughs> That's <laughs> at some point we'll have to talk about reputation management because there's actually software. I don't know if you know this, but. There's software out there that will filter out some of those negative comments. They basically come through you first and yeah. they huh. can still post one, but it's a little bit more difficult. So, well, big things are happening at the flip over in Mapleton. This, uh, you know, last couple of weeks have been a little slow. All of a sudden um, I'm super busy and I think you might be between projects right now outside of your commercial building. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm bidding on stuff left and right and, uh, walking sites to get another opportunity right now. But yeah, we've pretty much wrapped up, uh, the commercial property as well. So yeah. a little, uh, a little cooler for me as far as, you know, the, uh, day-to-day routine than putting out fires. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the extra time over at Mapleton. We've got, um, I mean, I think yesterday we had our cabinet and trim guy, sheetrock guy, paint, concrete dude coming over to fix the steps roofer plumber to come fix a gas line so uh oh and, and then uh my 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 man that's cleaning out trash he was there yesterday hanging <laughs> hanging out too he doesn't seem to have much going on so, well why don't we go ahead and get started with a little bit of a market update so i know uh we're looking at um you actually sent over your friends at chicago title uh, gives out a, a nice little synopsis of the Shout market. Out. Shout out to Chicago Title. Thank you for your uh, your future sponsorship. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. Yeah, so I mean, it looks like kind of what we've been talking about. Their their synopsis is really similar. 
It's a small market. It's not a slow market. Days on market and across DFW still under 30 days. Um, it did say that the units sold, I think, were something like 24,000 over the last uh, month. You know, there's still a lot happening, you know, on the more of a news of the state front. It looks like Dallas, compared to a lot of the other markets even in the state, is doing well. Uh, you know, the mortgage rates are still close to 8%. That doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. You know, if, if you have to buy a house, you got to buy a house. And if you got to sell, you got to sell. But there's not a whole lot of the the voluntary uh, shifting around. And, and that just hasn't really changed much. And it doesn't look like it's going to change a whole lot. And especially with what Chicago's saying, it, it doesn't look like they're anticipating much changing between now and the end of the year and, and going into the first quarter of next year. Is that pretty much what you're seeing too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they said, you know, we had a little bit of a dip, but um, I was listening to something else this morning and, you know, year over year, we're actually a little bit ahead price point wise than what we were uh, even at the at the crazy frenzy that we were in a year and a half ago. So we've ticked up a little bit. We kind of went uh, went down, went flat, and then now we're back up um, a, a couple percentage points of, above where we were. So pretty crazy. You know, I think uh, inventory again is kind of the name of the game. You know, low inventory. We still got demand. Um, you know, our average price point now is around $400,000 is the average mm -hmm. price point. That's also an entry level for a lot of people that are buying the first home. So um, pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know that we'll touch this uh, on this in the news, but I, I do know that there's a new federal program that they rolled out. And it, I was trying to get some clarification on it, but... I think what it comes down to, it's a new tool for mortgage brokers and, and, and people in the mortgage business. And it consolidates a lot of the federal programs that offer down payment assistance, especially assistance for especially for first time home buyers. And I guess there's this new portal with that information that's supposed to really help those mortgage uh, professionals find a perfect fit for people looking to get into a house. Because I think the federal government, I think they have a lot of programs out there and maybe what they were seeing is, you know, look, we understand times are hard. There's there's systems in place to help you out, but it doesn't seem like maybe people were tapping into it. And so they've made this new push to try to get that information to the mortgage brokers. And so I was listening to something as well about the loans out there and they said FHA and other government loans have definitely upticked uh, from where they were. But, um, you know, FHA, if you were an FHA qualified buyer, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, you know, that was tough. It was tough because, you know, with multiple offers, people were, were kind of shoving those to the side and going after the conventional and the cash deals. So now is more of an opportunity and you're seeing a lot more people get qualified with FHA with competitive rates and, um, you know, obviously the three and a half percent minimum down, you know, on all of that. So you're starting to see a lot more of that. Uh, and, you know, the FHA raised their, their, uh, their, their lending values up um, last year, I believe. I forget yeah. what the number is, but they, they increased that loan amount uh, mm -hmm. to be more competitive. So we're starting to see a lot more FHA buyers. Um, in fact, this last flip I just did in Irving, it was, a, it was an FHA buyer. Okay, nice. Well, let's go ahead and get into some of the headlines, a little bit of the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? From Dallas, Texas, the Flash, apparently official. There's good news and bad news. 
This is a massive story. Who wouldn't publish it? We landed on the moon! Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. There was a report that came out. The inflow of residents from California to Texas has slowed down a little bit. I think the headline was slightly misleading. It's Texas is still the number one destination for Californians, it looks like. And I believe the net inflow from California to Texas is still over 100,000 a year, if, I, if I'm reading all of this right. But it has slowed down a little bit. And one of the factors that they mentioned was the, the rise in real estate cost in Texas. And it's bridging the gap a little bit between California and Texas. And so it's not as much of a slam dunk to sell there and move somewhere like Dallas or Austin. Arizona, Florida, they're absorbing some of those numbers. However, it looks like they're at, you know, a third or a half of what Texas gets. And but so I will I will say this, uh, using dollar per foot, somebody just kind of put this in my perspective the other day. <laughs> when you talk dollar per foot, you know, the, the average dollar per foot in California is a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars and goes up mm. from there a mm. foot, right? So when we're talking here and you're seeing stuff, you know, and you still have a pretty good range of areas that are 200 a foot, um, you know, it's creeping up to 300 a foot and things like that. And then, of course, you get into the higher, more designated areas of our, our city, Highland Park, you know, and things like that, or even getting out to Lakefront, Cedar Creek Lake, like we talked about on one of our segments, those yeah. are 600 plus a foot. Right. And that seems just it blows our mind. Right. When we think about that here locally. But when you think about a California buyer that's used to paying a thousand fifteen hundred dollars a square foot and they're seeing stuff that, you know, is three hundred, even five hundred dollars a foot. Man, they're all over it. Right. And oh, when yeah. you think about that, that's 50 percent discount than what they're used to paying. Right. So, yeah, if you have a budget, you know, I would imagine that you do have a cap on your budget. But if the lifestyle you're looking at selling a small little bitty you know i lived in the los angeles areas for college you know you're looking at a little bitty house in santa monica or inland a little bit as opposed to the same price could get you a really nice house in frisco with a, a backyard and a community pool and really great schools so the quality of life i would imagine is still uh definitely something that they consider however i will say you know the fact that the ocean is right there and big bear mountain and you know you look up northern california there's there's still a, a huge appeal to a lot of the natural resources yeah. they have there that we just are never going to touch and the weather and the lack of bugs and that's right you know yeah no, very few of their airbnb uh owners are getting getting critiques on their mosquito problem i would i would think that that is a very real thing so uh, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the Fed is indicating, although they haven't made an official statement, we, we said last time that several of the big real estate groups have pushed the Fed to make an actual statement saying that they're going to pause the rate hikes. They haven't done that yet, but they have hinted in their cryptic economist way that they're going to pause. Uh, at least the next meeting will not have a rate hike. Uh, a lot of folks are starting to price that in. So Hopefully they are at least slowing down. Evidently, a lot of experts thought they would go up another quarter this year. That remains to be seen. And I'm sure a lot of the global movement is also playing a factor into that. Who knows really how that's going to trickle down to our, our economy and the housing market and 
you know, we're going into a the holiday season and, you know, housing slows down anyway, but travel ticks up. There's always these a lot of factors that change over, over the holiday season and a lot of consumer spending creeps up. And, you know, there's been a lot of reports on how this is actually my when we start feeling a recession, when people start feeling more poor, they've already tapped out their credit. They've used up some of their savings over the last couple of years. And so it, it'll be really interesting going into the, the first of next year to see how the Fed reacts. It's interesting you know that the thing that i did read in there was talking about you know inflation was up over nine percent and so that's where all this chatter became and they started you know we've got to do something right we've all heard this before uh but then you know now they're saying uh, i forget exactly what the number was saying that inflation was down but their target is to try to get it somewhere down around four percent um yeah so for us in our generation, this is a little bit of new territory. This historically, you know, in the 70s and 80s, 13% interest was a real thing. And, you know, th this is nothing new for people that have been around that long. But, you know, for me and I'm sure a little bit for you, this is uncharted territory. So we'll have to just see how it all plays out. Well, another thing I was reading too was talking about the default rate, right? Because, I mean, I think mm -hmm. there's. A lot of investors and, you know, that forever, right, being in this side of the game, everybody's always said, you know, what do you buy foreclosures and um, are you at the courthouse steps every uh, every month? Right. You know, so everybody's kind of been waiting on that now saying, hey, let's let's, you know, let's wait. There's going to be foreclosures. There's going to be all of this. And technically what they're saying now is the default rate has actually been one of the lowest it's been in a while. And mm. you're also sitting because of the increase in values, there's a lot of people that have equity in their properties. This is completely different than what we experienced back in 2008, 2009, 2010, when the foreclosure rates were, you know, at an all time high. No crystal ball, no guarantees. So well, let's shift a little bit. And they uh, there was news that an East Texas ranch with a winery, vineyards, and 1,200 acres, I think a lake, and uh, all that is on the market. And it's for $26.5 million. I'm not going to put a bid in. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I it did it did raise this question. You know, I know Tavis a little bit, for those of y'all out there. I've known of Tavis for about 13 years, but we've been uh, friends now for a year or so, and we've worked closely together on this project. And so I know a good bit about Tavis, but it actually, it, it made me think of this, this hypothetical, especially, you know, the, the lottery was a billion dollars a couple of weeks ago and you start dreaming, okay, what if I got that? So for you, you know, is a, an East Texas ranch at $26 million, I guess if money wasn't really a huge option, but where, where would you, where would you go? If you had to buy one house, are you going, are you going mountains? Are you going lake somewhere? New York City condo for thirty million dollars? Like, what is what is your ideal your place that you would settle down and put a lot of money into? And and if that was your one one spot you had to make work, uh, what would make you the happiest? You know, I'm more of a coastal person, so I think for me, um, you know, we've we've talked about this. Tabitha and I've talked about it, and um, I've got some friends that have bought um bought a place and it's it's in the mountains but it's not far it's about a seven mile uh drive to the beach in costa rica oh wow and uh it's beautiful i mean it's just absolutely gorgeous when i found out really what it cost him to to put the thing together i was 
I was blown away. I mean, when I yeah. first saw it, I was like, man, this thing is over a million dollars. And mind you, it might be now, but I think when he built it, um, you know, with land and everything, I think he was all in for maybe 350000 The difference yeah. is you're not financing it. You're paying cash, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, I mean, something like that really uh, seems attractive to me, right? It's kind of you got the the benefit of the rainforest. You've got – uh civilization you know the the people are friendly you know a lot of right. people speak english you know it's still a good place to learn spanish but i think they're very um universal you know I, and again i'm speaking all this from not being there this is all mm -hmm. from uh that's probably one of the places i haven't been um in uh in south america or the caribbean you know i haven't been yeah. to costa rica yet but i've heard wonderful things about it and uh, that's always kind of stood out to me yeah. Yeah. You know, I, we've actually been to Costa Rica. We've been to Mexico a bunch and, uh, you know, the, the vacation spots, Cabo yeah. and, and Cancun. We actually have been to Costa Rica and Belize and Nicaragua and the Dominican for a day, I guess on a cruise that counts, but St. Martin, a lot of the, like, man, that Caribbean life I think would be awesome. Yeah. I don't, you know, I guess I've not ever doing that all day, every day. You know, there, there's a part of me that, you know, once I'm at a, a resort for five days i'm ready to just have a peanut butter sandwich and <laughs> you know a diet coke somewhere it's no just, i hear you you know i don't know how much it you know and i know every day wouldn't be like that i also there's a part of me that just really likes dallas and i grew up in austin i lived in denver for a year la for college and you know we've traveled a good bit i've also lived in small town louisiana i definitely know that's not part of it and <laughs> You know, I think if it were me, I there is a huge part of me good. that would just the food. Yeah, the good food is good, <laughs> but I can get close to cooking that now, so there's no need to deal with all that stuff <laughs> to go get food. So, yeah, you know, there's always been a part of me that would just like a decent sized property close to town, and have you know the nice house with the the theater and all the amenities to kind of hang out at the house and have. A good time but i've always i've always wanted to have enough land to have a little go-kart track out front so we can just ride go-karts and do that for hours and hours and shoot some skeet and you know have a good time away from people but still have access to town and yeah. all the great restaurants and go to see a mavericks game and be able to fly anywhere in the world by 20 you know driving 20 25 minutes so I'm biased, but I actually really, really like this area. And I think if I could get enough land close enough to go hunt, you know, every once in a while, and I'm not a big hunter and gun guy, but it's just nice to have options. You know, if I love having a garden, if I could have a, a few acres with some cool fruit trees and a really good garden and get to go hunt every once in a while and, and run a go-kart around with my kids and grandkids eventually for hours, I think that would be awesome. Let's all look at a Tavis deal. He breaks it down and keeps it real with layers like an onion peel. Let's all look at a Tavis deal. Come on, everybody. Let's look at a Tavis deal. Well, I picked this property up earlier this year, 2023. This was February, end of February when I picked this property up. Okay. This is what I would consider a tier one. This was in Garland. This was actually a lead from an agent. And um, I think I got the lead like in December of last year. Um, okay. We didn't close it till uh, 
February. Uh, I can't remember what the delay was. I think it was more of the seller had kind of timing that she was trying to work out as far as um, when she was uh, going to move out of the property and close. And then we ended up doing a, a month lease back on top of this property as well. So the project time ended up taking a little longer. Uh, but this was a true convenience situation, meaning that the seller, the, the house wasn't in, in bad shape, although the seller um, had a had a plumbing leak, but this was on the freshwater side. Um, and I believe probably a hot water side or something like that. So it was a slab leak on the freshwater side. She had that repaired already, and they had rerouted all the lines through the attic and down the walls. But when I came into the property, all the floors were ripped out. Carpet was out of the bedrooms. Hmm. Sheetrock holes were exposed in the walls everywhere. And this poor lady, all of her family lived out in Fort Worth. And I think she just didn't really want to mess with it. She bought okay. the property in 2014, so she didn't buy it that long ago. But it already yielded quite a huge spread in equity. And so for her, it was just true convenience. We were able to pay the agent on the deal a full 3%. Nice. And and get into this deal. Um, I think that my projection originally when I bought the property was like a 335 to 350 ARV. And I was able to pick the property up for... Uh, right at uh, looks like two hundred thirty-two thousand, and okay. this was including the agent fee in the deal. Um, so we picked it up on the twenty-first of February. We ended up selling the property on the twenty-first of June. So right at uh, one hundred twenty days project time uh, from acquisition. Again, I lost thirty days because she had a lease back on it, so we couldn't start renovation for about thirty days. Uh, but this one, the project ran a little bit, meaning the the cost. I think that my original uh, evaluation of uh, renovations was somewhere in the uh, fifty six to sixty thousand dollar range uh, okay. originally, and um, I think one of the big things was it might have been the roof that caught me by surprise. I think um, the roof ended up needing to be replaced. And then uh, we went ahead and did gutters because there was, a, oh, I'll tell you one of the big things on this one that caught me by surprise. I knew there was a little bit of wood rot in the back. There was an old uh, pergola in the back that was in really bad shape, so I knew that had to go away. Ended up replacing about 75% of the soffit, or not the soffit, but the fascia on this property. Okay. And the crazy thing is the builder used uh, two by six fascia versus like a one by six fascia on this house. So that was, hmm. that was odd and it was expensive. And so, uh, right out of the bat, you know, we were spending extra money on the exterior of the home. One of the things we were just talking about that, you know, people may or may not even notice, right. Once right. it's painted they're not going to ever know the difference. But for me, I, I knew it needed to be done. So yeah. there was an uptick in cost for sure. I think that probably 15 to $20,000 over budget that I ended up spending on this property. Um, now, if I remember right, this is the one you were you debating on whether to keep the countertops from the beginning or did yes. you originally plan to replace them and then you decided to keep them after no, all the costs run up? My goal was to keep them uh, okay. from the beginning because I knew it was just an extra cost. And again, from what I was paying for the property and getting into it, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of spread in this deal, you know, originally. I mean, it was a good amount, but it wasn't... Um, 
a lot to just keep spending money on cosmetics because I knew that I had the, you know, the sheetrock repairs, uh, uh, the roof repairs, and then getting into it off the get go with the, uh, the extra, uh, exterior wood rot and things like that, that I needed to correct. Uh, ultimately the good thing is the market was pretty strong and we listed the property at 385,000, which again, if you remember, I said I was originally anticipating somewhere between 335 and 350. So I was able to actually get some recent comps at the time in that four month time span that allowed me to increase that price up to 385,000. And we sold it with multiple offers in three days. So, yeah. Uh, the great news was, uh, you know, we ended up selling this property. We made close to $60,000 net. It was about 57, uh, $57,795 to be exact. And about an 18%, 18.72% cash on cash return. So, uh, mind you, I great leveraged deal. it with a bank. So that the ROI is actually way better than that, but I always like to just show it as a cash on cash. Um, and then the closing cost on that. So that, you know, this is the cool thing. We track this as well. And just because I'm in my spreadsheet, I'm telling you guys these numbers, but I always use that 95% number, you know, uh, uh, the back end cost, um, to calculate 5% of closing costs. Yeah. And my closing costs on this deal were 4.81. So, okay. That's why, you know, that's why I use that. That is number. more than an educated guess. That is just an educated <laughs> statement. That's, that's, that's just tracking it, right? Let's go! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's main event. Let's do this. Hey, can I have everybody's attention, please? Let's go! Let's go! Bro. Well, good deal. Why don't we get into our main event? We were discussing there's been some times when we've walked through some houses that have been done and Tavis will make a comment. There's one thing that specifically comes to mind and, and I know he may, he actually, I don't want to steal his thunder, but I'll bring it up in a little bit. There's something that he points out and says, I know if it's a decent flip, if this is in place. And so it made me think like, okay, how do I avoid doing a cheap flip? How do I know when I'm walking through a house that's been done properly or may have they may have cut corners? And for you, if you're out there and you're a real estate agent or you're looking to buy a house and you know something that's been renovated or flipped, you're walking through trying to figure out, okay, did they know what they were doing? Are there things lurking around the corner? What are the top things that you would you would want to 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 seek out? So I'll start with you, Tavis. Why don't you hit us with a couple and then I'll, I'll throw in a couple. What are some of the signs of a bad flip? Yeah. So coming from a buyer's perspective, um, you know, coming into a home, usually you can kind of tell from the curb appeal, right? Did they, did they do anything to the exterior of the home at all? Did they touch the exterior paint? Did they do the landscaping? Um, and you don't have to do a crazy landscape package, but did they do anything to spend some, some time and effort to clean up the exterior and, you know, paint, caulking, things like that, just on the exterior. I don't necessarily care if they change the windows or not, depending on what they are. It's more about, you know, just the overall presentation and, you know, peeling paint, things like that, right? Uh, but going in through the door, things that we're looking for is, you know, did they take the time to change out door hardware? You know, that's something that doesn't cost a lot of money. That's an easy thing to do. Um, you know, and then light switch, you know, uh, outlets and cover plates 
Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that I used to kick and scream doing it because it's just one of those extra things. Depending on who's charging you money, might cost you five hundred or a thousand bucks. But I mean, you just repainted the entire house. You got all new, fresh paint, and then you got these yep. ugly ivory nicotine stained <laughs> plugs and yeah. <laughs> cover plates everywhere or you've got brand new cover plates and old plugs that are mismatched right. or painted, painted over or, 20 times yeah, right right <laughs> um so those are those are some of the simple things that just hey did they take the extra effort to pay attention to that detail and then going into the laundry room and uh seeing if they've changed out the uh washer box or not you know again that's an easy thing for a plumber to do and they're always a pain in the butt man those old washer boxes you know they always leak um Mm -hmm. and they usually that's the the one you've pointed out to me i I wouldn't have thought of that (laughs) and honestly that's probably one i would cheap out on because i you know it's hidden by the washer it's like okay what is the deal but I know that's a pet peeve of yours. You walk in and like, yep. hey, did you, did they, you know, did they do this or did you do this? Have you accounted for this? And that's just an aesthetic thing. And it's a functional thing. You, you know, you might as well just go ahead and just get some new fixtures in there. Make sure it's not leaking. This is something that's hidden. So I think that's a great example right there. From a construction standpoint, you know, it's going to be hidden. Not many people are even going to go to look for that, but you know, it's just better to go ahead and fix that. And so if you see someone that's done that and thought through the process enough to go ahead and fix that, they probably in a lot of ways know what they're doing. And they're they're doing a thorough job of just making this, they're upgrading the, the, the bones of the house, even if it's not this crazy aesthetic thing that's gonna be super flashy, so. Right, and then the electrical panel, right? And if it's not been changed, was it at least labeled? Right. Mm-hmm. Was it at least did the electrician take time to, to label the, the electrical panel and stuff like that? Yeah. Those are just little things that you kind of know. Those are pet peeves of mine that I want to make sure are done. Um, and not just that the consumer is going to see it. You know, the inspector is going to see it. So actually, I think you're selling it four times because <laughs> you've got to sell inspector. the inspector on it, too. Right. Yeah. Um, and then another thing is smoke detectors. It's so easy to put battery operated smoke detectors and and the bedrooms um you know by code they need to be in each sleeping quarters or each bedroom and then the adjacent hallways uh directly outside of the the bedroom so yeah even if they're not hard hardwired you know just putting battery operated ones in there again it's just a little thing it's going to be one less thing for the inspector to a tag on the inspection for me i guess mine's a little bit more cosmetic and I, I think the inspector is going to pick up on some of those things that are code, outlets, GFCI. Some of those things are going to be brought to your attention. So you might as well do those. Yeah. If you go into a place that they haven't done those, I mean, you're going to at least have a chance to fix it. For me, if I go into a flip, for what I, I actually did an open house for an investor one time, and for whatever reason, they had done soft closed drawers in the kitchen, and I thought, man, this is great. This is actually a relatively cheap flip. It was in East Plano. I think the sales price was 350, but they had done the soft close hinges. And to me, it just it just showed some attention to a little bit of a little bit of a higher end thing, but probably didn't cost just a ton of money to do. But it made the house feel nice. It wasn't these old rickety drawers that you're having to force around. So I really like that. When I see there's two things: super cheap faucets and super cheap shower fixtures and trim kits i just i think they read very cheap if the if they're not attached to the wall really well or if they're even a little bit loose 
that drives me nuts. And then caulking. And, and if, you know, and I ran into this at Polk with my guys. I mean, if they're doing trim work and they cut it wrong and instead of recutting it properly, they just caulk, you know, an inch and a half's worth of distance to try to figure it out. <laughs> like it's really hard to make that look crisp and clean. You know, maybe one time here, okay, we'll just get, but if it's over and over and your corners are just not crisp, it's just, they either didn't have good people doing their stuff or they didn't care enough to go and punch and change it. Something is off. And I actually walked a flip recently that they had a lot of grout and caulking issues in the bathrooms. And especially like the main bathroom, which is supposed to be the nicest one. And there's a lot of glass enclosure and you can see everything. It's like as a homeowner coming in, like, I don't know how to, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, if, if, if there's a real messy grout and there's really messy caulk lines, it's like, you know, that's not going to get ever get better unless you re redo it. And so if someone can't punch that in the moment and care enough to walk through and try to fix some of those things, I just think. I don't know. Like those are the things that drive me crazy from, Hey, I'm about to put this out to the world and take pictures and have people walk through. I want it to look as nice as possible. And it's not going to come up on inspection. You know, messy grout doesn't come up on an inspection. So those are all things that they're going to have to be paying attention to. So those are a couple of the things that I would look out for. If for some reason there's an agent out there or, or someone's sitting on a house that they cannot sell or they, they know will not appraise or will not be good on the MLS. It's got no carpet and it's got holes in the sheetrock just like your Echo House did. Uh, that agent knew like this is not going to go well. So they, they know to reach out to you. If someone's out there and they want to work with you on that, again, you pay full commission on things. They are going to get paid. Uh, they can be partners with you on that as an agent. So how uh, are they going to get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, Tavis, like Travis with no R, reach out to me on Facebook, reach out to me on Instagram as well, and uh, you can send me a DM and we can uh, we can be there within 24, 48 hours typically to come walk the job and see if it's a fit for us. Yeah, perfect. Well, uh, I am Ashton Hines, the Dallas real estate guy on Instagram and Twitter and the Facebooks and all that sort of thing. And please reach out to me if you have any questions on uh, buying, selling, looking for investments. If you want to come walk my property there at Mapleton, I've been talking about so much. I'd love for you to check that out and just kind of show you what we've got going on there. And uh, please reach out. Definitely like, subscribe the podcast, send it to a friend. We are, we're actually searching for people who would be interested in being on the podcast. So if you have something to say, if you're in the Dallas area and you work in the industry, if you do anything with a mortgage or title or anything, and, and you just want to pop on and give us your two cents on how the market's looking for you, we'd love to have you. So reach out for that. And we will check back with you next Tuesday for the next installment of Real Estate Heavyweights University. We'll talk to you then.